630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Pass up to Nugent Hopkins at center. Drops it to Kulak. He'll come in to Nugent Hopkins. Down the right wing. Pass across. Scores! Zach Hyman with a one-timer. And the Oilers win it. 5-4 in overtime. Yes, it is Zach Hyman rifling home the overtime winner tonight against the San Jose Sharks. The Edmonton Oilers take it 5-4. They were fighting back, coming from behind most of the evening. They were tied a couple of times. San Jose always jumped back ahead, but the Oilers get the lead in the end. Hyman from Nugent Hopkins and Kulak with 3.23 left in overtime. So the victory for the Oilers, they're now 48-27 and 6 on the season, and they will close out the regular season tomorrow against the Vancouver Canucks. Another one here at Rogers Place. Well, it was San Jose in control early, though. The local kid Noah Gregor scored two goals 26 seconds apart. And it was uh, 2-0 for the Sharks, 3:08 into the game. And San Jose was fairly in control of the game, especially through the first half. I mean, they were severely outshooting the Oilers for most of the night. And they were, quite frankly, outplaying the Oilers for most of the night. Uh, Edmonton did enough to always reply and get back in it. And then finally, Hyman wins it in overtime. And another nice moment this evening, Philip Broberg got his first NHL goal. It was the one that made it 4-4 with 8.15 left in the third period. Connor McDavid and Jesse Pugliarvi had the helpers. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 9.57 live in Studio 99 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Ryan McLeod had a goal this evening. He had a pretty good game overall. He got his ninth of the season. That was a power play goal that was the Oilers' first goal of the evening about halfway through the second period. Kyler Yamamoto hit a milestone tonight as well. He took a spinning backhand pass from Leon Dreisaitl and went in for his 20th of the year at 12.52 of the second period that tied it up. Uh, Overall, it was, um, I don't know if you'd call it the Oilers' uh, B game. You might even call it their C game tonight. But in the end, they had enough skill and and talent to be able to figure out a way to get the victory against the Sharks team that uh, played pretty well. We saw San Jose uh, play pretty well against the Oilers a few weeks ago in another game that was decided in overtime. That was the game that Edmonton won 2-1 when Mike Smith set up Connor McDavid for that breakaway goal in overtime, but the Sharks just not able to to do enough uh, offensively to be able to get the win tonight. So for Edmonton, doesn't affect their spot in the standings. You still have them second place in the Pacific Division. You still have them set to face the Los Angeles Kings in the first round of the playoffs. Again, likely to start on Monday. That is not uh, 100% for sure. The last person with OEG I spoke to said 90% going to start on Monday against the Los Angeles Kings, who are currently on the ice in Vancouver. And about four and a half minutes into the third period, the Kings have a uh, 2-0 lead in that game. Kempe has his 35th, Velarde his uh, 5th, and the shots are 28-16 for uh, Los Angeles in that one. Miko Koskinen was your goaltender tonight, and it, it did not start well for Miko. He had the puck in his glove, and it looked like he was going to hold it for a face-off. This was before the game was even three minutes old, and he uh, just a split second before the referee was going to blow the whistle... He dumped it off in the corner to no one in particular, and the Sharks kept the puck alive, and 
That allowed Gregor to take a pass from Chimbalevsky and go in and snipe a goal. And then just 26 seconds after that, it was Gregor again. This time had the puck at the side of the net, and he was actually trying to pass it across the crease. It goes in off Evan Bouchard, and that made it 2-0 San Jose, and it was a pretty deflating start for the Oilers. Uh, it took them over nine minutes to get their first shot on goal tonight. Uh, by that time, San Jose already had eight shots, and uh, the Oilers were, were fighting back most of the evening, but they do figure it out to get a 5-4 decision. Five goals means the Japanese Village Goal Light is on on 630Ched.com. You can head there right now, print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. We turn that on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, which uh, they also did Tuesday night in that 5-1 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right, so... For uh, for Edmonton tonight, you know, you had uh, Broberg scoring his first NHL goal as he was in for Chris Russell, who was a healthy scratch. We'll also have to keep an eye on Zach Cassian. He took a high stick square to the face with 6.50 left in the third period. It actually uh, put the Oilers on a four-minute man advantage with the score tied. Edmonton not able to score on that one, though they do get the OT win as Rob Brown joins me here in Studio 99. I was just saying, a great moment for Philip Broberg. had a great shot. He gets his first NHL goal. And just talking about it with Bob, it, it looked like he's done it before. It, it wasn't, he the, the moment wasn't too big for him. He moved in from his point, took a pass from McDavid, put the puck exactly where he needed to put it. Uh, it was a very confident play that the young D-man made, and Hopefully that's the first of many goals that we'll see him score for the Edmonton Oilers. I thought he looked fine out there tonight. Um, it's a big jump up anytime a player comes from the minor, especially if you're a D-man. Uh, San Jose played very good in this hockey game, but uh, he, I think he showed again that he's capable of playing at this level, and he will be an option come playoff time if there are injuries or fatigue that come into play that he's capable of stepping up with the speed that he has to play at this level and contribute. I set the line for Philip Broberg's ice time before the game at 14 minutes for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. <laughs> I just looked. He plays 13.59. <laughs> it is under by one second. So Glenn is the winner of the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. That's funny. You know what, you know what messed him up? The playoffs. You know what messed him up? He scored. Well, no, that... And the fact that the, the four-minute penalty at the end of the game that San Jose took, that took Broberg one shift off the ice right there. All right. Oilers win 5-4 in overtime. Here's Jay Woodcroft. Uh, Jay, can just give your assessment of the game from a coaching standpoint? Found a way to win. Um, obviously, didn't start the way we wanted to start tonight. And uh, But credit to our players that... Um, on a night that wasn't everything didn't fire on all cylinders they found a way to win it's tough when Jason Gregor's nephew gets those first two you're down two Jason was the only guy that was cheering for the San Jose Sharks there I'm sure uh, is that a fine in the press box well he was sitting in a he was sitting in a private booth then. Oh, okay um, Broberg scores a goal. What's it like when a, a player that you know from Bakersfield gets his first NHL goal? Yeah, special for him, obviously. Um, uh, and a big goal at that. It was a tying goal, important uh, at that point in the game. And uh, I'm sure he'll remember it forever, and especially who passed it to him. Yeah, that's what he said. He says it went from the best player in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you start the way you did, 
obviously a little bit concerning. How did the group sort itself out? Like, what? Uh, how much of it was you, and how much of it was them taking care of their business? It's the players. They, they it wasn't the way we wanted to start, um, but our players, you know, they say, say the, said the right things on the bench. Um, there were some small corrections that could be made. Uh, we started to skate a little bit better in the second period. Um, still wasn't where we wanted to get to. We were a little better in the third. Um, in the end, um, it was a game that our players dug in and found a way to win that game. The second power play unit had a nice little run there where they were on the ice for quite a while, lots of time. Yep. Uh, did you just like what you saw from them, and does that maybe bode well for that group to get that time out there? Like yeah, I actually think they've been very good uh, since I've been here. Um, they've looked dangerous, dangerous off the rush, dangerous in zone. Uh, scored a big goal tonight on a kind of a rebound chance and coming down on the puck, and I thought uh, I thought it was, you know, th th we had that four-minute power play in, in the third period there and they had numerous good looks on it and uh, so I feel comfortable anytime they're on the ice. What was the reasoning that Kulak was the defenseman there on the on the winning goal rather than say Bouchard or Barry who play on the power play? Yeah I think when we think of people in those situations you want smooth skating good skating D-men. Uh, Bouchard and, and uh, Barry are uh, quite capable of taking those shifts as well and even Broberg I've seen in the American League um, involved in some really big overtime goals as well. So um, I think Kulak earned it, earned that opportunity with his play. And uh, what a play by Ryan Nugent Hopkins to find Hyman like that and a great finish by Zach. Um, what, how well do you think um, Kulak is playing with CC after he's played with lots of other people? But that's a big hole to fill alongside CC when Nurse is out. Yeah, I think he's elevated his play. He makes a lot of really good, subtle plays, um, just body position wise advancing pucks wise um, he understands that when he's playing with CC he's probably getting matched up against the top line on the other team he's looked really good in the last few games uh, when we tasked him with that thank you Jay, you've talked a lot about confidence. You've had four guys here in the last, I know, eight or nine days, Yamamoto, Cassian, Ryan, now McLeod tonight, who all ended kind of lengthy goal droughts. And how important do you feel that is for individuals? You coach a lot of guys, just, you know, the difference now, all of a sudden, nobody really goes to the playoffs, kind of any sort of slump over them. Yeah. I think uh, and some of those goals are, are career highs uh, and important ones for their individual uh, confidence. Uh, we want everybody being confident as they head into the playoffs. I think the one thing, um, and we have one more game tomorrow, obviously, but as you're, as you're heading forward uh, at the end of the regular season, it's a reset in a great way uh, for guys that maybe didn't have the years they, they wanted to have. It, it's a new season. Season. And for guys that did have good years, the way to cap off uh, a really good regular season is by elevating your play in the playoffs. I know there's no morning skate tomorrow. Well, usually there isn't anyway. Yeah, it's an optional skate. You know. Do you have an idea on, are you resting some guys tomorrow? Have you, have you looked ahead now that tonight's over? Yeah, I think we're just going to enjoy tonight, uh, enjoy the win for next 20 minutes or so and then uh, and then we'll see how everybody wakes up in the morning and then and we'll make our decisions then. Any update on Cassin? 
Uh, he got the stick to the eye, got zippered up, and looked okay. Uh, just, but I haven't talked to the doctors yet, but he, he looked pretty good. While you're making your decision on whether or not to rest, guys, yeah. uh, is the fact that it's back-to-back -back games, does that in some ways change the dynamic a little bit? Yes. So it's yeah. a little bit different knowing it's back-to-backs and yeah. just the workload? Yeah, just workload. And um, I still haven't seen anything from the league or anything confirming uh, dates. And um, so for us, back-to-back uh, um, -back factors into will factor into our decision-making for Lineup. And is it a scenario where it's collaborative between you and the players, or do you as the head coach decide whether or not you want to deploy certain guys? How, how do you think that, how will that work? Yeah, I think we sit and talk as a coaching staff. Uh, we sit and talk with our managers. And certainly, uh, if we're thinking of uh, pulling some people out of the lineup, we involve them in that discussion as well. Mike Smith tomorrow, I presume? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, um, we'll see. I'll let you know tomorrow morning. It's the last game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Will not tip his hand under any circumstance, but they do win tonight 5-4 over the San Jose Sharks. I was saying before you slid in, Rob, sometimes you got to win with your B game. It <laughs> might have been the Oilers' C game. I'm not even sure if it was. For a lot of it, yeah. It might have been a D game for, for some of it. Some of it might have been the F game. <laughs> uh, it was definitely no higher than C. But, but I mean, they won. I mean, like Woodcroft said, they, the players stayed with it. They didn't, okay, game 81, we're in. So I guess that you can only play the game in front of you, and they figured it out in the end. They, they did, and a big reason was uh, Miko Koskinen. He made some big saves. When San Jose was up by a goal a couple times, they had chances to extend the lead. And there was a great example in the third period where San Jose has a one-goal lead and they have a two-on-one with Hurdle and Meyer, their two best players. And the two best players executed it perfectly. Uh, they got the pass across. Hurdle got the pass to Meyer. Meyer on and off his stick very quickly. And Koskinen came all the way across and made a big save. If they extend to make it a two-goal lead the third period, maybe Jay Woodcroft's not taxing his best players and playing them over and over again. Maybe there's not a, a four-minute penalty. Maybe uh, things change. So they stayed in the fight. Again, this is a, a San Jose Shark team that is... Uh, they're, they're prone to losing. Uh, they find ways to lose more than they find ways to win. And they did again tonight. And the Oilers are a team now that is good and a team that can find ways to win. Now, I don't know if you want to play like they did in the first 30 minutes of this hockey game come playoff time, but you, you, you take it with a grain of salt because this is a nothing hockey game. This is a game you want to get out healthy. And hopefully the Cassian is just stitches. The team is healthy. They can get through the next 60 minutes tomorrow night against the Canucks and get into the series Monday or Tuesday fully healthy and ready to, to go on a, hopefully, a long run. Oilers win 5-4 in overtime. We'll check the Edmonton Trailers scoreboard. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers? Head to edmontontrailer.com. The Oil Kings move on. They sweep Lethbridge. They win it tonight 6-4. No surprise that the uh, Oil Kings win that series. I mean, that's a crazy... Like, the expectations are so high for that team. Yeah. It was almost... I mean, I was thinking, well, they should sweep them. I mean, you almost hate to say that, but... Well, and the thing is, when you're a heavy favorite and you're going to win a series... And which, in junior hockey, the gaps can, can be a little bit wider. Oh, yeah, it's bigger. It's bigger because the teams at the bottom, they're usually in the middle of a rebuild, and eventually they'll get their way up there. 
But when you, you're going to win a series, and the Oil Kings are going to win it, you don't want to play any extra minutes because extra minutes, extra games, there's the opportunity of injuries. And the Oil Kings were going to win this series, whether it's in four, five, six, whatever. You want to get it done as quick as possible because you don't want to put yourself in a position where you have to play an extra game. Someone blocks the puck the wrong way. Someone gets hit the, hit the wrong way. You want to get through the series quick, and you want to get through a series injury-free. Predators beat the Avalanche 5-4 in a shootout. The Kings and... Oh, it was 2-0 Kings a few minutes ago. The uh, Canucks have tied it up. Besser and Chason have scored. So Kings and Canucks 2-2 uh, with about five and a half minutes left in the third. Well, the Islanders are finishing strong, Rob. 5-1 win over the Capitals. You know, it's funny. It's not like they need this season to be extended by five games. They need this season to be extended by about 15 or 20 to catch anyone. Uh, I will allow you to pass your New York Islander Stanley Cup championship season to next year. I can just You just <laughs> missed it by a season. So I will allow you to move that prediction to the 2022-2023 yeah, season. Too bad instead. they didn't start... Three and ten, or whatever the heck it was. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, that um, result with the Avalanche means Florida clinches the President's Trophy. Oh, and Nashville. One of the stories. There's a couple going on still. Minnesota, St. Louis battling to see who yep. gets home ice, and Dallas and Nashville battling to see who plays Colorado and who plays Calgary in the first round. Boston beat Buffalo 5-0. Their positioning is still up for grabs. Panthers shut out the Senators 4-0. Hurricanes beat the Devils 6-3. Blue Jackets take down the Lightning 5-2. And the Flames lose in overtime 3-2 to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Rasmus Anderson was called for closing his hand on the puck in overtime. He was not uh, a fan of the call. I, I don't think he felt like it should have been enforced. <laughs> I didn't see the penalty. I, I saw, saw the him plate. Yeah, I saw that. I saw him break his stick as he was leaving the ice afterwards. Uh, Kaprizov with the big one-timer in overtime. He's up to I think 46 goals on the season, 47 goals. An incredible year for the young, the young Russian player who uh, it plays on a team that has aspirations of going on a deep run. As the Minnesota Wild have a very good hockey club as well. Yeah, that's going to be an awesome uh, first-round series oh, between the Blues and the Wild. It'll be, we saw last year, Tampa, Florida, first-round series, one of the best series I've seen ever. I think Minnesota and St. Louis could live up to that hype as well. In uh, basketball, the Raptors, uh, well, they couldn't do it. 132-97, 76ers win. So the 76ers were up by a point at halftime. They won by 35. That's one that you didn't need to... Bite your fingernails down to the very end of the game. It was over. You were watching some other show about halfway through the fourth quarter. And the uh, Blue Jays beat Boston 1-0. They're having an excellent season. Here inside Rogers Place, it's a 5-4 overtime win for the Oilers over the Sharks. You're going to hear from Philip Broberg and Brett Kulak, who got an assist on the game winner. And, of course, we're happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063. The hotline is presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. Back in a couple of minutes with more Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. And McDavid had it poked off his stick. Here's Couture. The breakaway, the shot, right pad, save made by Koskinen. 
Well, that was a shorthanded breakaway for Logan Couture about five minutes into the third period, and it's Miko Koskinen save the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Miko Koskinen winds up making 40 saves in the Oilers' 5-4 overtime win over the San Jose Sharks, so Koskinen's record for the season, assuming he does not play tomorrow, will be 26-12-4. And, and I mentioned, okay, he kind of made a goof up on the first goal by San Jose. He turns out having a pretty good night. He, he did and we talked about the fact that he made big saves at big moments. Uh, there was a, a few times late in the game we just heard the Couture breakaway shorthanded two on one later in the third period times where San Jose could have extended the lead and maybe changed the way the game went. Um, he rebounded well from the from the bad opening goal. So again we just talked off air might not be or might be the last time we see Koskinen this season. Uh, I believe, well, if Mike Smith plays tomorrow, he's going to start in the playoffs, and something would have to go wrong for Mike Smith not to play the duration. So that may have been his last start of the year, and we'll see going forward if it is or not. Okay, we'll go to the phone line, 780-496-0063. We'll start off with Richard tonight. Hey, Richard, go ahead. Hey, guys. Yeah, uh, all the power to Yamamoto. That's just fantastic. Hello? Well, yeah, yeah I thought Yamamoto overall had a, has had a pretty good season. Yeah, sorry, sorry you, guys, you guys cut out for a second there. Uh, oh, we're here. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, Yamamoto. It's, just, it's, it's pretty awesome to, for him to accomplish that. And that's a pretty good, as Rob knows, that's a pretty decent player that can score 20 goals. And uh, uh, one thing about Koskinen, sorry, I'm losing you. No, keep going. We're listening. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, one thing about Koskinen, like like Rob said, I, w I was astounded that he had the comeback that he did. No, Koskinen played well. He's had a great season. If I, I think that... There was ups and downs for the entire team this year. But Koskinen, the record that he has coming into the season as a backup goaltender, I think you got to be pretty excited that he gave them the year they had. Now, they're going to start the, the playoffs. Mike Smith's their starter. Koskinen's the backup. This is what Ken Holland had planned. I don't know if the plan went exactly according to, I don't think it went A, B, C, D, E, and all the way down. It took some left and right turns when it probably shouldn't have. But this is the way that he envisioned it. He had Mike Smith as their starter, Koskinen as a capable backup. And here going into the playoffs, that's what it's at. And you've got a starter that's playing incredible and a backup who's given them consistent good starts when he does play. Yeah, and Yamamoto gets to 20 goals, which is interesting, Rob, because early in the season, even when the Oilers were starting 16-5, and five, he wasn't getting points. No. I, I mean, he, he wasn't scoring and he really wasn't getting that many Assist. I mean, he had some hot bursts, but a lot of players do, especially if you're a secondary scorer. If you scored all the time, you'd be a primary scorer. So most of the secondary scorers can be a little bit uh, streaky, but good for him to get his uh, 20. And it's interesting. I saw three of the, the younger guys who might be a little bit linked because they spent some time together in Bakersfield. I, I thought Yamamoto and McLeod and even Bouchard all had pretty decent games and they were they were all in on McLeod's goal. It was McLeod from Yamamoto and Bouchard. Well, we, we've seen them improve as the season went on. Uh, Yamamoto, there was high expectations. Uh, he was given a top six job 
Uh, he, he played either with Connor or Leon through the first, you know, 30 games of the season, and the production wasn't there. And then there was questions. Is he capable of being up there? He's capable of being a consistent scorer at that level. And uh, young players, when the puck doesn't go in the net, sometimes you get down on yourself. But he got better as the season went on. He got a hot streak going, found the confidence, and has been excellent since. McLeod continues to get better. And I said it to Bob afterwards, up right in the post game. Uh, at some point in the playoff series on the second unit, McLeod's going to get a breakaway and have an opportunity to make a big difference in a game. His speed is surprising teams. And then Bouchard again, like most young players, have up and downs. And, he, and you even saw it in this game tonight. He had a tough shift where things weren't going right. And when he has a tough shift, it compounds. So there was, puck came to him again, he threw it away again. And then he iced the puck. It just, it, but he went back to the bench, recomposed himself, came out, was much better as it went on. Uh, he's not prone to the big mistake that we saw for a stretch there. So all three of them have contributed. All three are a big part of the Edmonton Oilers' future, but they're also a big part of their present and will be counted on come playoff time. I'm just checking Yamamoto's scoring log here. Going into the Oilers' game on March 1st, he had 19 points, and he's going to finish the season with 40. So, so 21 he's, points he's since got, March 1st. Yep, 21 points since March 1st. So that's a nice little two-month well, run for Yamamoto. And, and what you're going to get opportunities. You play with Connor and Leon, either one of them, you're going to get chances. But you have to capitalize on those. You have to execute those. And what we've seen is his ability to do that. He he always had the knack for offense. It just You don't come to the National Hockey League and discover it there. You have to have had... Uh, the ability to see the game that way earlier in your career, junior or college. He did. Took him a little while at the National Hockey League level to do it on a consistent basis, but now he's doing it, and it allows... He's one of the reasons that Jay Woodcroft can put Nugent Hopkins on your third line. He can move Pugliarvi up and down the lineup how he sees fit because Yamamoto has become consistent. That's our adjustment of the game for Pro Drain-Tex for peace of mind down the line. The Oilers win in overtime 5-4 against San Jose. Hyman got the winner. Broberg got his first NHL goal. You'll hear from him a little bit later on. We'll go back to the phone lines. We have Ron from Red Deer checking in. Ron, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Hey, Rob. Yep. Did you did you ever play in Red Deer? Uh, as a kid in Bantam hockey, but not not junior. Red Deer wasn't in the league. Uh, I, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. you got that nice big rink and all that stuff there. I never got to see any of that. No. Okay. Well, I'm just going to comment. The iconic Black Knight Inn got demolished this last week. Which is anyone that's ever been in Red Deer, it's iconic. Like it's been here for a long time. But on a positive note, I want to ask you, Rob, what was your first goal? And I'm happy the Oilers came back from 2 nothing. And I'm just going to listen. I'm oh, sorry, did he say what was my first the first goal? My first goal, uh, my first goal came in my first NHL game. Uh, we played against the New Jersey Devils. I think it was about the third game of the season. I didn't dress the first three. Someone, Bob Airy, got hurt. They put me in. I got to play with Mario. Scored on my first shot on a breakaway. Scored on my second shot on a power play. And thought, this league's pretty easy, Reed. I'm going to have I'm gonna have some success. Found out it wasn't. Got a little bit harder. But my first game scored two goals on two shots. And that was the start of my NHL career. Oh, that's pretty that's good. Awesome. Did you do the full slap shot on the breakaway like you would in shootouts? Or no, had I, you not thought of that yet? I, had, <laughs> I think I, I, I think it was a deke. I think it was a deke to my back end, which was funny. 
Hey, people eventually should have figured it out. I only went to my backhand on my deke every time, but I had a little bit of a fake. Froze the goalie, went around him. Actually, uh, according to Hockey Reference, both your goals were power play goals in oh. your first game. Well, there you go. I knew it was a breakaway. On I didn't two know. shots, 100 shooting percentage. I mean, how hard could this league be? And then you didn't have any shots on goal the next two games, and then you scored in your fourth game, you scored on your third shot on goal. Seriously? So you were four games into your career. You didn't get stopped on a shot you attempted until the fifth game of your career. I should have shot more, apparently. Just, I don't, just fire not, I don't remember anything after the first two goals. My memory's not very good. I don't, but I do remember it was New Jersey. Everyone, most players remember who their first goalie they scored against. I have no idea who the goalie was. And it was funny, I went to Pittsburgh and did a, an event probably four years ago. And they took me, I did a thing on television, went down to the station, and a gentleman there was really nice. And hey, would you like, I can give you a, a stat pack or a video of all your, a bunch of goals that you scored. And he showed me my very first game, and apparently there was a brawl where the New Jersey Devils went into the stands during the game that I played my first ever in the National Hockey League. I don't recall any of that. Really? No, don't remember a single thing. I've watched the video now. I'm like, hey, that's kind of cool. That was my first game ever. Brendan Shanahan was on the Devils. He went up into the stands. They were swinging their sticks at the fans. Don't remember any of that. You're too euphoric for having uh, scored a goal. And focused on what's yeah, going on. Yeah, that wasn't your role. You weren't worried about that sideshow stuff. Of course not. You're not going to go goon it up. No, because when I did, I got knocked out. So I stayed away from that as much as I can. <laughs> hmm. Didn't you have fans? Uh, you played in WHL rinks with chicken wire, though, haven't you? That was in them? Seattle. Yeah, they had Is that where wire. they sprayed the perfume through the, yep, the, the holes in the chicken on wire? On a face-off, a girl would put her hand through the face-off just before they dropped the puck and spray perfume in your eyes. Because bef- the very beginning of my career, we didn't have to wear visors. So right in your eyes, they'd pour beer over your head. And there was a black piece of rubber that was all the way around the boards. I don't know, it was like a bumper. And if you were going full speed and got hit into it, the bumper would stop your shoulder dead, but your body would keep going. A lot of guys separated oh, their shoulders. It was not a safe rank, Reed. It was not a safe No, it doesn't rank. sound like it. No, and they had a tough team, and they had this one big dude that they had this big John-type song they played every time he came on the ice. And if you're out there and you heard the song, you're like, oh, no, here comes Big John. <laughs> he had his own walk-up music he, he for did. a line change. Exactly. It was it was a little intimidating. We had a brawl in, in the stands, underneath the stands, as we're coming in, Bill LaForge was our coach, and all of a sudden we heard him yelling. He went into the fans, and there were uh, 20 players, about 100 fans. Police were involved. I'm like, I called my dad that night. I said, where did you send me? Like, seriously, can I come home? It's crazy in this league. Uh, no such craziness tonight as the Oilers beat the San Jose Sharks 5-4 in overtime. That means a $500 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They've been given 100 bucks to Santa's Anonymous for every Edmonton goal throughout the season, and we appreciate that. The uh, power play story tonight, it is interesting. The Oilers had a chance to win this game on the power play or at least take a lead late because they had a four-minute power play with 6.50 left uh, after Cassian took the stick to the face. The Oilers go one for four on the power play. On, on that power play, so the first unit started, yep. and then I thought the second unit came on and did better. Oh, they did. They actually were out there for over two minutes because yeah. San Jose couldn't get the puck out of the zone. So it was a it was a good power play. That was one where when the Oilers got the four-minute penalty, or sorry, the four-minute power play, I think pretty much everyone in the rink thought 
game's over. They're going to score in their four-minute power play. San Jose Sharks, though, despite well, having the offseason, yeah, second in the league. That is the one thing that has been good for them this year, and we saw that tonight, killing off the final four minutes. Sharks went one for two on their man advantages. The power play update for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer, with four locations, including a new one in Camrose. Check out Extreme with an X, PowerProducts.com. We got Sir Robert and Will on the open line. Hang on, we're going to get to you. You're also going to hear from Philip Broberg who gets his first in the NHL, and Brett Kulak, who assists on the game winner. All coming up after the 10.30 news and weather. Oilers take it 5-4 in OT. This is Heartland Ford, overtime open line. Now to McDavid. He'll wind it up. Right wing to Pugliarvi. Into the shark zone. Stops on the right wing. Drops it around on the left to Kane. Right back to Pugliarvi. Has it right wing at the hash marks. Into the corner for McDavid. Spins off the check. Passes out. Broberg scores! Philip Broberg! He gets his first goal in the National Hockey League. And he has tied the game at four. Great shot by Philip Broberg for his first ever in the NHL. It made it 4-4 with 8.15 left in the third. The Oilers would win 5-4 in overtime over San Jose. Let's go back downstairs. Here's Broberg. Hey, Philip, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, maybe just take us through uh, the goal, what you saw, and then what you felt right after. Uh, yeah, uh, Connor made a really good play, and uh, I sneaked down a little bit and uh, tried to get on that and uh, end up going in. So it was an unbelievable feeling for sure, and it's always good to get the first one. Yeah, waiting for that first goal. It's You've been up and down a little bit this year. You know it's eventually going to come. Is it hard not to be impatient waiting for uh, waiting for that goal to come? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more focused of, on of playing my, my own game and uh, trying to help the team in any way I can uh, to play my game. And uh, if I can score a goal, um, it's great for sure. Uh, but I'm happy for sure. If you end up with the opportunity to play some playoff hockey this year in the NHL, uh, how ready do you feel if if they end up needing you? Uh, for sure, I'll 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 always be ready to play if um, if they want me to. So um, I I feel ready physically and uh, mentally. So yeah, I'm good to go. Philip, does it feel better when the pass comes from Connor McDavid for that goal? Uh, well, you look back on it, it, the pass came from the best player in the world. He's a great player, and he, he made a really good play, and for sure it feels good. Um, when you were down in, in Bakersfield and you got hurt, did it take longer for you to come back than you thought it would with your ankle? Um, for sure, it took took longer than I wanted to. I, uh, I always wanted to play hockey and get back as quick as I can. And... Uh, and up taking four and a half weeks, uh, so uh, I I feel great now, and uh, the guys around me uh, did a really good job uh, of getting me back on the ice when I was ready to go. Uh, so um, I feel good now, and I'm happy about that. So when you dream of your first goal, what as a defenseman, what are you thinking your first goal is going to look like? A forward is, you know, he's rushing down the wing and stuff like that. As a defenseman, do you dream that that's the kind of goal, or are you dreaming that it goes off somebody from the from the point and the puck goes in the net? Uh, yeah, the, the, I, I don't really think you care how it goes in. It, uh, as long as it goes in uh, to get the first out of, out of the way. So 
tonight's game, uh, since you hadn't been in Edmonton for a while, was it an adjustment for you? You hadn't been up with the orders for over a month. Was it difficult to play the game? Uh, no, it, 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 it felt normal again, and uh, it was good to be back playing with the guys. And uh, I've got a few games back in the Bakerfield before after the injury, so it, it felt good to get a game here. And you played left side tonight. Would you rather play right side or left side? Uh, I feel confidence on, on both sides, but for sure I preferred the left side, like any other with lefty. Okay, thank you. Last one for me. Um, how, what does it mean to get back to the bench and have Dave Manson there to celebrate that with you? Because obviously he's been with you for a little bit here. And uh, what has he meant to your development? Uh, a lot. Um, he helped me a lot when I came down there off the camp in Bakersfield. And uh, he helped me develop and uh, small stuff uh, to work on. And uh, I think I've taken step uh, with him during the year. So it uh, for sure felt good to share. Philip Roberg snipes one tonight for your Edmonton Oilers for his first career goal. Great shot. He, he did snipe. It was that was a great shot. Not a lot of room there. It's tough picking the short side on a goaltender, uh, but he put it right in the right spot. Again, I said it earlier. It looks like he's done it before. Uh, a good confidence builder and a fun way to score your first goal in an important time of the game, uh, and a wonderful shot. So good on him. Just uh, updating here, the Sharks, I think I said they were one for two on the power play. They were one for one. Vander Kane got the only penalty tonight. Yeah, the referees, uh, they were calling it as though it was a playoff game. There's a, a number of calls that we would have seen earlier in the season, hooks or holds or, or slashes. They didn't make those calls. They made a couple obvious ones. And obviously, uh, Zach Cassian being cut open was a pretty easy call. You could see the concern, actually. I think it was Malosh that took it. You could see the concern. That was an absolute accident. Yeah, he didn't mean and, to do it. But no, and he went called. right away to Cassian to say, you know, hey, sorry about that. But easy call for the referee. All right, Oilers win 5-4 in OT. Uh, inter- I mean, you love the three-on-three. It lasted a minute 37. You had McDavid, Drysettle, and Keith against Hurdle, Meyer, and Burns. That's a lot I, of talent. I, I didn't think it was going to get to the second shift <laughs> like it did. And, well, the, and the pass Drysettle to McDavid for the breakaway. He had to go between... Two sticks, two sets of feet to land it perfectly for Connor McDavid. And at that point, I think half the bench had already stepped on the ice because Connor doesn't usually miss those in overtime. Nice save by Reimer. Uh, and then the other one, Leon probably should have shot on the two on one. He wanted to pass it to Connor McDavid and he was looking for the lane and uh, the player laying down was able to pull the puck off his stick. Uh, in a playoff game, Leon probably puts that on net. Wins a hockey game in overtime, but a number of good chances. Uh, Meyer and Hurdle are good. They are very good hockey players. It was fun to watch. And then the Oilers got their their second unit out there, and uh, the two San Jose Sharks got caught looking the pu- at the puck. And Nugent Hopkins makes an absolutely perfect pass to Zach Hyman. He had backdoor wide open net. He got all of it. And he one time. He did one time. Stop it. Yeah. Uh, Hyman again. Uh, career high in goals. Career high in points. He's been everything that the Oilers had hoped for when they signed him. Uh, he is, to me, and, and we haven't even got to the part of the season that I believe Hyman's going to have the biggest effect on, on the Oilers. Playoffs are what they brought him in for because of the way he plays, the style he plays, playing against a team like L.A. Those are the kind of 
those are the reasons you got a Zach Hyman in the lineup. Those are the reasons you got Nevander Kane in the lineup. And the Edmonton Oilers get to see what their bigger, stronger bodies are capable of doing in a few days' time. All right, 5-4, the Oilers win. We have Sir Robert standing by. Hey, Sir Robert, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, boys? Good. Well, I mean, you know what? Honestly, I mean, you know what I got to say? You know what? I, I, I mean, like, this is one of those games, despite the Oilers falling behind three times, I never had a doubt, honestly, that they were going to come back and win. Because, uh, because, uh, because I mean, like, they've shown... I mean, like they've shown all year that they're capable of playing in you know different scenarios whether it be behind ahead you know like whether it be behind to up to vice versa so I mean, you know what i like the i mean the start i didn't like but you know what i thought it was uh, you know i thought it was a uh, i thought it was a great game pretty much all around besides the start it was great to see broberg score his first oskin and i thought was I mean, not great, but, you know, Koskinen was the better goalie. Good enough to get the win. We'll take it personally tomorrow, I think, against Vancouver. Fit Remy, guys like Drysaddle and McDavid and all the stars would play. Whether or not they do, I don't know. But anyway, you know what? I'd let, you know what? Like I said, good game, good win. One more game left. Bring on L.A. Yeah, we'll see tomorrow. Jay Woodcroft wouldn't tip his hand with the lineup. So Archibald was scratched tonight. Shore was scratched, and Chris Russell was scratched. I would imagine Shore and Russell will play tomorrow. I'm not sure about Archibald, uh, and I'm not sure who comes out, what they do. They'll talk it over with the the players. They'll find out. I mean, Cassie might not be available. True. So there's one player. Although, out already. if it's just a cut, he'll play. Um, yeah. It, We've seen there's teams around the league are doing different things. Some teams like Florida sat out eight regulars. Uh, in Toronto, Marner, Matthews, and one other player aren't playing tomorrow against the Boston Bruins. I watched Boston play tonight. Bergeron and Pasternak and Marchand, they all played. So different teams have different uh, thought process on it. And a lot, most of it will come down to what the player wants. And we'll see what uh, is decided here tomorrow. And again, also, in Jay Woodcroft uh, talked about it too. The teams would love to know when the opening game is to be able to uh, make their decisions based on do we have an extra day's rest? Right. If I play my stars tomorrow, are they getting two days off or is it three days off? That'd be something I'm sure they would love to know before they make their decisions as yeah. well. Yeah, and again, it's 90% sure that the Oilers play Monday. Um, you know, I, I know some people have reported it for sure. I talked to somebody with OEG tonight who said it's 90% Monday. So, uh, yeah, and that, if, if you were a player, would you want, say you were a player who was playing tomorrow, would you want Saturday off or Saturday meetings and then a hard practice on Sunday? Would you want to skate both days? What would you want to do? You'd want a day off. You'd want one day off just to... Uh, like, a, get, like a meeting maybe if the coach wanted to talk to you or would you want if, to be away know, from the ring? Well, it all depends. I guess if the if series starts on Monday, I would imagine they would have something on Saturday just to go over the other team. Just, as you said, meetings, videos, start getting in the, the playoff mindset. Then you come for your practice on Mon or on Sunday and you get at her on Monday. Uh, there's, with the condensed season, there's hasn't been a lot of free time away from the rink for players to take care of things uh, as was it Kelly Rudy talked about taxes and or stuff whatever, yeah. Ta so but I would imagine after the game tomorrow the complete focus of this organization will be the LA Kings on Monday and that probably means something that'll happen on Saturday where they'll be able to, to come in and 
get their whole mindset from that moment on for the LA Kings. When you were going into a postseason series, now th this might sound silly when I first say it, but just bear with me. How much would you want to know about your opponent? Now, of course, you want to know about your opponent, but would you want just give me every single piece of video, every stat, every tendency, or would you want, okay, give me two or three bullet points, and then if we do our own thing, we're fine? Well, they, when I played, they weren't capable of giving you as much as they're capable now. We didn't have the video. We didn't have, when I first started, I mean, you all games weren't on TV. Yeah, good point. So you weren't able to get every team's game as they, you're capable of doing it. Now, you don't want, you don't want to overload a player. You want the power play, you want to know what the other team's penalty killing does. The penalty killers want to know what the other team's power play, what their tendencies are. If you're playing against a certain line, and there'll be line matching, so as a line, you'll have a line meeting, you'll come in, okay, here, you're playing against Kopitar's line. Here's what they like to do. Here's what he's good in his own end. Here's where they struggle. Uh, and you want a couple tips on goaltending. You want to know, okay, quick, little slow going across, he's got a five hole. Or his, his glove end, he carries it a little bit low. But at the end of the day, players in the National Hockey League, they have confidence in what they're capable of doing so if i go down if i'm told the goaltender he's got a weak blocker you know what that's not my shot my shot's glove hand right. so i'm going glove hand i don't care how weak his blocker is because now i'm getting i'm going to my weakness to try to expose his weakness i'd rather go my strength on his strength and i think i'm better so most players will want some information but you don't want to overload a player because then it just becomes too much thinking you want it all to be instinctive when you're on the ice by the way the kings lose their final regular season game tonight in overtime they were up two nothing in the third besser scored on the power play chase on tied it with 529 left and then besser won it with 30 seconds left in overtime so canucks three kings two and now the canucks are coming here tomorrow and the kings are coming here like we said likely for <laughs> monday but maybe for uh for tuesday okay you're still going to hear from brett kulak oilers win 5-4 in overtime this is heartland ford overtime open line broberg on the right wing will get it out he'll find hyman at center ice now to dry side he'll bring it in to yamamoto the shot scores tyler yamamoto he gets it past reimer in this game it's tied at two all right that was yamo's 20th of the season oilers go on to win 5-4 in overtime derek ryan also scored tonight tyson Baird with the point shot ryan tipped it kind of around the hash mark and then Fogel was in front, but it actually went in off the San Jose defender. And I, I got to say, I thought one of the nicest goals of the night was Scott Reedy's deflection goal with about four and a half minutes left in the second period. That the tip changed. of the Burns point shot. Yeah, it changed about three feet in direction as it was going to the right side of Koskin, middle to right, and it came all the way back to the to left side, beat him cleanly. Uh, Derek Ryan, he, he's shown the ability to get his stick on pucks Anytime they go by him, he's very good at it. And again, it the the puck wasn't going in, but the deflections got the goalie out of position. And when there's traffic in front, their bodies in front, there's always the chance it's going to bounce in. So a uh, good play by Barry putting it in an area that Ryan could touch it. Good play by Ryan tapping it. 
and then also Fogel being fighting in front of the net. If Fogel doesn't go to the net, that puck probably just goes wide. So Fogel, that line has been good. Fogel, Eugene Hopkins, and Derek Ryan have been very good and will be called upon to be uh, a strong third line come playoff time against the LA Kings. All right, let's go back downstairs. He assisted on Hyman's game winner. It is Brett Kulak. Uh, always neat to see a young defenseman score his first NHL goal. Uh, what did you see out of Broberg in that moment tonight? Yeah, it was good. It was a good read by him offensively to jump into the into the lane. And uh, I'm not sure who passed to him, but uh, it was nice of him to step down there and create the create the space. And then, you know, nice shot, head up and picked his spot. And uh, he had the big smile coming through the line there. So it's, it's good to see. Um, that game, obviously not the start you guys wanted. It took you a little bit to kind of get yourself sorted out. How do you kind of evaluate where you started and where you ended up and what it took to bridge that? I think uh, it just, you know, it's one of those ones when we know we're not on top of our game fully. It's it's kind of, you know, we can trust our process and, and go back to the simple things and then uh, just keep chipping away at it. And, you know, we got lots of offense. We don't ever really have an issue scoring goals. So I think uh, we just kind of trusted with it and stuck with it and ended up getting it done. Can you describe the overtime winner? That was a fine play by you. Can you describe that? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, I passed it up to Nuge, and then I, I stepped up there, and he, he gave it back, and I had some speed, and just uh, I just wanted to gain the zone and, you know, keep the play alive, and brought a couple guys to me and just put the puck in space, and uh, he came down and made a nice heads-up play to, to Zach, and he buried it. So when McDavid and Drysaddle right up before you guys got on the ice to get the two-on-one, it looked like they were both absolutely bagged because they'd been on for about <laughs> over two minutes. Was that your feeling from the bench? Yeah, it looked like it. You know, they they had a couple of really good chances to score too and finish the game, and so they were they were back in our zone and in their zone, back in our zone, um, like two or three times. So, yeah, they they were uh, sucking wind coming back to the bench. Um, is this a, a tough game to play? In that you want to play the game the, the right way, but you don't want to get hurt either. Yeah, it's late in the season. Yeah, exactly. You know, now we just got one left, but I mean, we got uh, our home ice advantage going in the first round. We got our spot, and it's it's a game you you want to come in and just you know you expect to, yourself to have good habits in the game, and you want to you want to win your battles, and you 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 know use this time wisely to prepare for the first round and prepare for the, the playoffs. So uh, you know, it was it wasn't our best game, obviously, but uh, like you say, it's kind of a it's a it's a weird game to come into, but you know you got to hold yourself accountable and. What are you thinking when you're down two after the first three minutes while you're playing the game? Uh, I mean, me personally, I didn't, I didn't think much of it. I wasn't too, too worried. Like the game, two goals, the game is far from out of hand for us. We can score two just as quick, and we do do it all the time. So, uh, you know, two down, two nothing. It's, it's not a big deal for us. Thank you. You've seen firsthand what some of the characteristics that a team needs to have success in the playoffs. Do you see some characteristics that this team has? Uh, and I'm not just talking about good players or depth. I just mean the way you respond to adversity or the way you function as a group. Do you see signs that this group is playoff ready in some ways? I think so. I think uh, the biggest thing that stands out for me is this group is just the, the balance we have throughout the lineup. We got a, a good mix of everything that you need, I think, and and there's a bit of that on every single line. So I think uh, that's kind of going to be a winning formula.
formula for us is just the, the depth we have. Just one more for me. What's it like playing with CC when Darnell's been playing so often with with CC? Is it yeah, he's, just slide into his spot and it's, it's not a problem? Yeah, he's he's a great defenseman. You know, he's got a lot of experience in this league, and and he's he's uh, he's reliable and he's easy to play with. So uh, I've been enjoying it the last couple of games. That's Brett Kulak, Hyman in overtime. Oilers beat the Sharks 5-4. Regular season finale tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30 Chad. Game at 7. Have a good night. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.